We're going to uh, go to the Bible for our Bible study. Uh, we'll open to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. It's uh, quite a chapter. And uh, what is the, let me ask you a question, what is the ultimate sin? What is, what is the basis of sin? Disobedience to God. And so rebellion or refusing to come under God's authority is really at the basis of sin, isn't it? And we're going we're gonna to be talking about some of that here tonight. Let's uh, begin by reading chapter <coughs> 13 here. Let every soul be subject to the governing authority, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances of God, and those who resist will bring a judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be un- afraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no one anything except love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, uh, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there be any other commandments, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this knowing the time that now is, is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in licentiousness or lewdness, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill this love. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings upon this Bible study tonight and upon the reading of the Word. We ask God that as we look into this Word that it might have special meaning to each one that's here. The Lord, 
you're looking for a people who will be obedient, who will walk in the light as you're in the light, that we might have fellowship one with another. God, I believe that your Holy Spirit is speaking to us here tonight. He's here to uh, quicken our spirits and to make these truths real to our hearts. So, Lord, would you open our ears and make our hearts very tender and then bring us all under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that this word might take deep root in Jesus' name. Amen. Martin Van B. said, It is your actions and your attitude when you are on your own that reflects what you really are. When there's no one else around, when mom and dad is not there breathing over your shoulder, when the pastor is not there looking directly down at you, Whatever you're doing, <laughs> see that what you do when no one is telling you what to do, that's what you really are. That's what <laughs> that's what he was saying. Hallelujah. And Paul is interested in what kind of an image we're projecting to the unsaved. And so here he is talking to these Roman Christians, and he is telling them that they need to project a good image. When people look at us, what do they see? Really, it's a good thought. If you were to go out here and take a survey on the street, how do people in the community see First Assembly? Do they see them as a on-fire church? Do they have only good things to say about them? How do they see us? What they see determined or is determined by our attitude and our actions or our conduct. Time is short. How many of you realize time is really short? And it's all important that we project a good image for the church. Should the Lord carry What is the next generation going to be if we don't project Jesus now? If they don't have a right concept of the church? You know, I was listening to uh, the one that's the head of the jail ministry there. Uh, what's his name? Colson, yeah. I was listening to Colson on the radio today. And he says that the basis of our problem is moral conduct. And he said, you can build all the jails you want to build. He said, it's not going to solve the problem. 
He said in just a few short years we'll have a good percentage of the people behind bars. But it's not going to solve the problem. The problem is a problem of moral well-being, moral character. And it's not being taught in the home. It's not being taught in the school. So where do you find good moral character? It's not in the Bible. There's three divisions in this chapter, and you might want to write them down. The first division is verses 1 through 7, and it's Christian attitude towards the state. And then verses 8 through 10 is Christian attitude toward his fellow citizens. And then verses 11 through 14 is Christian attitude in view of the fact of the Lord's return. That gives you a, a quick reference to what we're going to be looking at here. And so we'll start out by looking at the first seven verses, the Christian attitude toward the state. <clears throat> Let every soul be subject to the governing authority. That says, unless I'm reading it wrong, it says every soul. And that doesn't let any of us out. God expects us to come under authority. And I know that this is not a very popular subject in church today due to the fact that there's been the, the shepherding movement and some of these other movements uh, where you have to be in submission. But let's not overlook the fact that God teaches that we are to be in submission to the authorities that are placed over us. And the, the first place you learn authority is where? in the home. And if we stop teaching authority in the home, where are they going to learn authority? It's no wonder that you have problems on our uh, trying to get kids to and from school on a bus, or your classrooms are uh, topsy-turvy. And the teachers have no authority, or the principal has no authority. Because they've never learned authority, they are not subject to the powers that be. And our jails are overflowing. God says, let every soul be subject to the governing authority. No one's exempt. I, I don't know, we just don't like to be subject to anybody, do we? Rebellion is in the heart of a child. That's right. And it says that the rod will drive it far from him. Rod of correction, isn't that right? Somewhere we lost that principle. We don't want to warp anybody's psyche. And bless that, it's against the law nowadays. 
We've allowed the law to tell us whether or not we can correct our children. Children can run out and have abortions without even letting you know about it. Something is wrong. Something is upside down. And I don't understand it. Some people have just never come under authority. You remember the the man who was a, a, a centurion? And he said to Jesus, he said, Now look, you don't have to come. Just, just speak the word and it'll be done. He said, I'm a man under authority and I know. And I say to this one, Go and he goes. I say to this one, come and he comes. He said, all you got to do is speak the word. Where did he learn that? Because he was a man who was under authority. And you will never learn what it means to, to be a man of authority until you've been under authority. Proverbs 17 and 11 says, An evil man seeks only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. That's why our society is in problems. It's, it's having problems. It's in trouble. They seek only rebellion, and God is not going to put up with it. And so a messenger's been sent to take care of it. Turn with me to Ephesians. You want it, might want to put a bookmark, keep a finger there or something. We'll be coming back to Romans 13. <clears throat> but in Ephesians... Chapter 5, in verse 6 it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. You hear what it's saying? If we are disobedient people, we can expect the wrath of God. God has set up a framework of authority. It starts in the home. It says, wives, I know you don't want to hear it, wives, but wives, submit yourselves. To your own husband, as unto the Lord. You're going to submit to the Lord? Well, submit to your own husband, because God has placed that husband in the place of authority over you. That is God's structure. He did, He created a male and female. And He put the male in charge of the, 
of, of uh, things. And there is a difference between male and female, regardless of what they say nowadays, uh, whether they call them uh, chairpersons rather than chairman or, or uh, uh, shim and, and him or whatever. Yeah. But God has a plan, and the plan is that man is to be the head of the household. And just because he's a wimp doesn't mean that it's passed on to you women. God said that you're to submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. I didn't say it, God did, right there in verse 23. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let your let wives be to their own husbands. In some things. What's it say, Pat? All things, everything. But on the other hand, God didn't just bypass the husband. He said, husbands, I want you to love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. There's no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for a friend. And you can't expect subjection or your wife to be subject if you're not loving her the way Christ loved the church. I mean, he withheld nothing. He gave his all. One of the saddest things I've seen lately is a husband and wife. Husband has a job and earns good money. Wife has a job and earns good money. And they divide up the bills, and each one has certain bills that they have to pay, but this is my money and this is your money, and ne'er shall they two come together. That's the first argument I ever had with my wife. She was being very nice to me. She went out and bought me a new shirt. Isn't that nice? And she put it on a charge account. And I said, I said, that's very nice, dear. How are you going to pay for it? She said, I'll use my money. And I said, I'm sorry, you don't have any money. You did before you married me, but now it's our money. And uh, we made the ground rules way back then, and so it worked. Whatever either one earns goes into the family. And it's the only way it can work. 
husband and wife are a team. She's a help meet for me. God knew what I needed and he gave me Betty. She's what I'm missing. Without her, I'm only 50% here. Amen? That's the way it works. That's the way it works. And then God didn't leave it off there. He said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And boy, I've seen a lot of things that goes on in the home that I'm wondering if it really is honor toward their parents. They talk to them like they were talking to some stranger. They yell at them and they scream at them and they raise their voices. They talk back. Says honor them. Says it's the first commandment with a promise. There's a promise that goes along with you if you honor your parents. Says he's going to give you long life. You might live long on the earth. Then it doesn't stop there either. It says fathers. Don't provoke your children to wrath. I didn't say it, Ken. It's written in the book. It's written in the book. Hey, sometimes you pick on them too much. They deserve it, yeah. I only thought so too, but my wife corrects me. There's such a thing as being a little understanding with your children. There's such a thing as letting them talk it out. You know why most children lie to your parents? I'm going to tell you. It's because they want to do what they want to do and they don't want to be corrected for it. And they're afraid if they come to you, they're going to get the back side of your hand. So to protect themselves, they lie. I always made it a deal with my kids. If you tell the truth, you're going to get a lot less than if I find out you're lying to me. And it's not very honoring to father and mother when, when you lie to them. And then come up and say, well, but you don't trust me. How many heard that one? Trust is something you earn. It's not something that's automatic. They come up, but you don't trust me. 
I heard someone say that one night, right after they had just lied. I got some on the bus that I catch them right in the middle of doing something. And they said, I didn't do that. I'm looking in a big mirror. Girl back there spraying hairspray. And I thought, man, she could get that in somebody's eyes or something, you know, hurt some other kid. So I pulled the bus over and I said, bring the hairspray up here. Who? You, Blondie, bring the hairspray up. I'll bring it up, but I didn't, I didn't spray it. How did I know you even had any? I, I was getting just a little bit upset. I threw it in the garbage. And then I repented and gave it back to her when she got off the bus. Uh, but don't lie to your parents. Honor your parents. Your parents deserve at least having you tell them the truth. And then it goes on further. Servant, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh. You know, every one of us work for somebody. Unless we're the boss on the job, and then you're working for Uncle Sam. Right? Huh? And the customer. But you're subject to somebody, whether you like it or not. And if nothing else, if you read on further there in Ephesians 5, it says that you're subject to the Lord. So if you're not treating your employee right, look out, God's going to have it in for you. But nowadays, people steal on the job, pilfer, do uh, what they want to do, cheat as far as keeping their hours. When the boss isn't looking, they're sitting around instead of working. And there's no honesty. Hey, if he's going to pay you a day's wages, you owe him a day's work. Amen? And so I see where God has set up authorities and we're to be subject to the authority. Uh, Peter taught the same thing over in Peter, 1 Peter 2. First Peter 2 and uh, verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether the king as supreme, well, we'll put president in there. We don't, too many of us aren't as kings anymore. Or to governors, or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. 
We are to be examples of people who are in obedience. There's nothing worse than a Christian on a job taking time out of his work and he's standing there talking about the Lord and witnessing when he should be working. Hey, let's be honest. You're on his time. You want a witness? Witness on your own time. You are there to set the example of how a worker should be. And your actions speak louder than your words many times anyway. Matthew 22, Jesus, they came to him, they said, is it lawful? Shall we pay taxes or not? And he said, bring me a coin. Uh, and he said, who's, who's, who's uh, pictures, uh, this on the coin? And who's, uh, you know, and, and he said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God. We've got to separate the two. There's some things that belong to Caesar, that belong to the government, belong to this world, and there's other things that belong to God, and we separate the two. <clears throat> give tribute to who tributes do, that's uh, personal property tax. Uh, custom, to whom custom is due, that's import tax. Fear, to whom fear is due, that's the uh, uh, police, the judges, the uh, governors, etc. Honor, to whom honor, and we already talked about that. Parents, and, and husbands, and, and wives, and, and uh, employees, and, and uh, church leaders. I think that there should, because of their office, there should be some type of uh, honoring that person that's in authority, by at least listening to them. Amen? Okay. Verses 8 through 10. And I don't know whether we're going to finish all this tonight or not, but it's such a good subject, I don't care whether I finish tonight, we'll finish it later. But verses 8 through 10, we're going to talk about Christians' attitude towards his fellow citizens. It says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. If you owe somebody some money and you got the money to pay it, pay it. Amen? Don't be a chiseler. Said the only debt that, that should never get paid, that should go on owing forever, is the debt of love. And we need to love one another. We're, we're going to pick up on that next Wednesday, alright? I think that this subject's just a little bit too long to, to get the whole thing. So read over Romans 13. And, uh, we're, we're going to pick up this bit about what's our attitude towards one another. What should be our attitude in the family? What should be our attitude in the church? What should be our attitude 
on the job. Attitude is what we're talking about. And uh, love covers a multitude of sins. Amen? Hallelujah. We're going we're gonna to pick up on that next week.